How unruly economists can agree. February the 25th, 2010. If all the economists in the world were laid end to end, they would not reach a conclusion. The battle of the letters, two letters in the FT from Lord Skidelsky and others and Lord Laird and others, replying to a letter in the Sunday Times from Professor Tim Besley and others, brings this hoary joke to mind. The Sunday Times letter argued that, and I quote, the government's goal should be to eliminate the structural current budget deficit over the course of a parliament, end of quote, instead of the two planned by the government. In response, opponents argued that it would be foolish to slash the structural deficit if this led to a deeper recession and so to an offsetting rise in the cyclical deficit. Yet both groups might be right. A book on intergenerational inequity by David Willits, a conservative shadow minister, and the Green Budget from the Institute for Fiscal Studies have clarified the issues for me. The answer lies in growth. The Organization for Economic Cooperation and Development forecasts the excess of income overspending in the UK private sector at 11% of gross domestic product this year. Certainly, we must not allow this frugality to cause a depression. But why should it be wasted in unsustainable consumption when it could be usefully invested instead? In the Green Budget, Michael Dix of Barclays argues that the Treasury has been too optimistic in assuming that the crisis means only a 5% reduction in potential output and no change in potential growth. On the basis of studies carried out by the OECD and the International Monetary Fund, he argues that the fall in potential output might be 7.5% relative to the prior trend, or even as much as 10%. Even worse, future growth rates might be merely 1.75% a year, not 2.75%, as the Treasury still bravely believes. The implications of this would be dramatic. GDP will be around a quarter lower in 2030 than the Treasury thought it would be before the crisis hit. Moreover, it does not make much difference if the loss of potential output now were to be 5% or even as much as 10%. What matters far more is whether future growth will be 2.75% or merely 1.75%. It is of great importance, therefore, to manage policy so as to minimise the impact of this crisis on the level and even more the growth of potential output. It is, of course, vital to avoid further crises. That is why the sustainability of the public finances must be credible, as the original letter writers argued. But it is even more important to avoid unnecessary losses in output, investment and longer-term economic dynamism. An obvious way to combine credibility with a pro-growth stimulus is to close the structural current deficit relatively rapidly while introducing credibly temporary offsets, particularly via spending on investment and tax holidays. The central bank should also finance such temporary deficits. That would eliminate the crowding out of private investment that would occur if the governments borrowed in the market instead. 
the government would need to coordinate closely its structural fiscal consolidation and temporary spending and tax cuts with the Bank of England. Imagine, for example, that an incoming government decided to eliminate the presumed structural deficit in just one parliamentary term instead of the eight years planned by the present government. The Treasury believes this deficit to be only 5.2% of national income. But under the assumptions in the Green Budget, it might be as big as 9% of GDP. Delivering a tightening even of 5.2% of GDP over one parliament without any offset is indeed likely to push the economy back into a recession. So combine the necessary structural changes to pay, pensions and other long-term spending commitments with credibly temporary offsetting measures such as lower taxes, incentives for investment and large one-off infrastructure projects. The UK has, after all, clearly undersaved and underinvested over a long period. That is the biggest way in which the baby boomers have cheated their children. The savings shortfall is now being rectified. But that would do little good if increases in desired savings led to actual chronic recessions or commitments to unsustainable current spending. What is needed instead is to match the currently higher desired savings with higher investment. One advantage of doing so is that it should minimize any growth collapse. Another advantage is that it would make deficits credibly temporary. Investment incentives are quite easy to withdraw. Similarly, big projects naturally end. Do not worry about projects being shovel-ready. The savings excess will last for quite some time. Economists need not get into a debate over how big the actual deficit should be some years hence. They cannot know, because they do not know how quickly the private economy is going to recover. What governments should do instead is to ensure that deficits are credibly temporary and growth-promoting. By all means, plan to cut the structural deficit faster than the government now intends, but do not believe that this will be the end of the matter. The actual deficit might need to be larger than that for quite a time. So try investment instead.